You're listening to the Slow Ride podcast. Bites, advice, and rumors straight from the source. The Slow Ride Podcast.com and on Twitter at the Slow Ride Pod. Hello and welcome to the 317th episode of the Slow Ride Podcast. This is Matt in the last bit of nice weather, Minneapolis. Oh my God, it's going to be terrible in a week, but right now it's really nice. You should totally move here right now and get totally mad about it next week when it's 40 degrees. Alan in Minneapolis. Uh, this is Spencer in Boston. Where the weather, where we have an actual fall for more than a week, unlike Minneapolis, but that's not the big yes. news today, little guy. I am afraid no. I have some bad news. They've finally done it. After years of trying, they have finally killed Perry It is officially canceled for 2020. Oh. You thought things were bad in March. You thought they were bad in May. You thought they were bad in July. Well, I'm sorry to break the news. They've just gotten worse. They've kicked us when we're down. They've made us sit through the whole three weeks of the Tour de France. And then they took away Pierre yep. Roubaix from us. It it was supposed to be the greatest day of the season. It it was you know, absolutely just... going to be. And, you know, at first I was disappointed that it had been canceled originally or postponed or whatever. And then... As races started to happen, I started to believe, little guy. I started to believe that it was going to happen, that we were going to actually have the best chance for a wet, rainy Roubaix in 20 years. And we had, yeah, it was definitely a good chance for a minute. They've taken that from me. I wasn't angry before because it was the right decision you know earlier this year it was the right thing to do now it's personal and the the worst part about it little guy is that i know exactly why perry bay was canceled and i think you do too i've got a i've got a reason or uh yes yes what's oh, yours? oh we're on the same page is. i can guarantee we're on the same page okay why don't you just hit our audience with the real reason Peru Bay was canceled and why we should have known all along that it was never going to happen. Peter Sagan. Peter Sagan knew all along, and that's why he signed up for the Giro this year. He knew before COVID happened. He knew before any any of the season began. He knew all the stuff was going to get canceled. That's why he, he balked at the Northern Classics. He signed up for the big paycheck to go to the Giro. He's obviously taken the year off from training. He's just there riding around, enjoying, well, today he enjoyed freezing cold weather, making a bunch of money while laughing as these classics get canceled, and he doesn't have to worry about it uh, being a race that he misses. Right? You agree with me, right? Um, well, you're wrong, but you do, you do make an interesting uh, point that I had not considered. So you think... Sagan is maybe the mastermind behind this whole thing. Like he knew all along, he's got his ear to the ground. I, yeah, 
Well, I, a lot of people don't know he's he's uh, he, he's really he knows a lot about uh, viruses and animal to human transmission and viruses and stuff. So he knew ahead of time, and he was like, "Well, I'm signing up for the Giro because that'll happen." And they're going to pay me how many figures? Uh-huh. Whoa, okay. Uh-huh. And um, so that's that's my belief. He he looked at it the makes calendar. sense. The red string lines up. Yeah, I mean that does three weeks straight of getting start money and all that stuff. In in you know he probably looked at like races in Northern Europe versus races in Italy. Who's going to be more lax with the rules? Okay, we're heading south. I like it, but unfortunately, completely wrong because. Obviously, ASO canceled, Paris-Roubaix, pulled the rug out, took it away from us mm-hmm. as punishment for the greater cycling uh, world demanding a women's Paris-Roubaix. They just could not do it. Yeah. And instead of just acquiescing to the wants and needs of the cycling fan, they have taken their own lives. They've fallen on their sword <laughs> rather than succumb to what they consider the enemy. And I mean, obviously there's no other explanation. There's no other explanation. Even if joking aside, even if they, they didn't plan that they should know that we think of them as such baddies that, the likelihood of it being canceled because of COVID having a new spike was so high that the women's race now getting canceled this one time they finally say they'll do it uh-huh. is going to make them look bad and make make people like us throw this conspiracy theory around. Like, they should know that. Mm-hmm. COVID is a convenient excuse for them being able to convenient. throw the race. I'm sure they were drawing up all kinds of plans uh, as far back as, as a couple of years ago, trying to figure out, you know, we haven't canceled this race in a hundred years or whatever. How are we going to do this? How are we going to avoid having to pay these women equally uh, for, for racing? Mm-hmm. That's, that's just my theory. We, we did have, you know, the uh, Giro Donna earlier uh, happen and it was a, uh, one of the first big world tour women's races that are now required in 2020 to have live coverage. And it, it, it did not. And they received <laughs> a lot of flack for that. Um, but also a lot of, you know, well, okay, 2020, it's kind of a, kind of a mess. We'll cut them some slack. And, uh, I was kind of in that boat, you know, like, uh, it would have been nice, but I, I get it. It's a weird year. It's a weird year. It's a hard and, year. And then immediately after the race, they announced next year they're no longer going to be world tour. So I think they were trying to avoid it, and I wouldn't put it past yeah. ASO either. Yeah, I wouldn't put any any of this past ASO. Unfortunately, we'll see if they if they put the women's race back on the calendar for next year, mm-hmm. or if they just try to slink away and pretend like it wasn't a thing that they ever promised. The only other reasonable and let's put our tinfoil hats on the only other reasonable explanation mine's always on for canceling a pair of is because i don't know if it's sagan we kind of you know have him as a mastermind earlier in this uh, discussion but i think it might be more of a consortium 
I think it might be like a consular at the head of things, kind of the godfather. Um, maybe Boonin at his right hand. Um, and then you've got GVA, and you've got all these big hitters who are still riding, all coming together to say, no, 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 no. Wout Van Aert and Matthew Vanderpoel have had enough. We are shutting this down. They will not take this monument in their rookie seasons, more or less. Wout's been around for a year mm-hmm. or two. But yeah, they couldn't take the embarrassment anymore, and they had to shut it down. You can see all the riders with the results this week. No Wout in the front, no Wout winning, no Vanderpoel winning. It has to be true. That's the only explanation. So another explanation could be that they neutralized each other. And, of course, we're talking about, uh, again, Wavelwim <laughs> happened today, Sunday the 11th, uh, with Mads Pedersen winning, Sensual, uh, Florian Sensual on second, and Trenton in third, and no Vanderpool or Wout in, on the podium or the wide-angle podium because they neutralized each other. So I don't even know, as much as I love a good conspiracy theory, Spencer, I think maybe you're trying too hard and whereas you just have to let them look at each other too much and then make the um, decisive move when they're caught out. I hear what you're saying, but I don't think there's ever been a case of a cycling fan trying too hard and reading too far into things. No, I just don't never, see it. Never. Well, cycling does have a history of the craziest, most nutso thing being the real thing. <laughs> so That is true, including <laughs> Mads Peterson winning Gent Wevelgum today in in a stellar fashion, I got to say, but he was not on my radar despite being the 2019 world champion. I, yeah, I was surprised by this result. I, in fact, I'm surprised by the whole podium. I got to say, and maybe the biggest crime that was committed at Gent Wevelgum today is that Mads Peterson winning it was not allowed to do so in his world championship stripes for the 2020 edition of Gimp Wevelgem, which should have happened in March, 2020. That is within true. his would reign. That's true. It would have been within his reign, a Northern's classics rider riding the Northern classics. He would have been in the Jersey. Usually it's true, but would he have been in form? Would he have been in this form? Then I, it's it's easy to say, but it's like he's already ridden the tour, and maybe he's only in such fine form because he got the tour in the legs. Possibly, you know, maybe he's going to petition the Volta to move back to March or whatever, so he can ride the Volta before the classics in the future. That's going to be a big sell, but you know, I mean, it's going to be tough uh, for one guy to pull off. But it hey. it made me think earlier today that maybe. Like 2020 is wild. We've we've kind of gone into the conspiracies uh, already, but 2020, needless to say, is wild. And I'm thinking maybe this year we needed a special clause for the world champion and that maybe races that are originally scheduled, historically scheduled to be before the world championships, maybe Mads gets to wear a world championship jersey and Alaphilippe mm-hmm. just wears his regular kit. What do you think about this? I like it. It's very complicated. It's a little, yeah, there's a little math involved. It's I'm a not, little complicated. Not just to mention for the um, laundry department at the track, say, Fredo or uh, Quick Step or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, you show up to the day and you're like, dude, I'm sorry. I only brought the world champion kit. And he's like, this is my world champion race. That's tough. Yeah. Um, I like it. 
I, I would have liked to see him win it in the world champion. And I think he definitely deserving. I mean, part of what's so weird about this Ghent is we've had, usually Ghent kind of falls almost in the middle of the spring classics, mm-hmm. a run of, a run of them with the E3 and a few others. And this year it's happening. And now we have Flanders next week and then we would have Roubaix, but we don't. So it's like, it's just we have a we have one week of the Northern Classics and it usually encompasses a couple weeks, so it was hard to really know who was fully in form. You know, like oh yeah, had we you know we hadn't seen some of these guys for a couple weeks. Yeah, like looking at the results, you know, Trenton's a name you sort of expect to be up there. Betiol's a name that I sort of expect to be up there now, but I hadn't really paid any attention to them up until now, so. You know, I wouldn't have predicted them to be up there, but I'm not surprised to see them up there, I guess. I was surprised, as we touched on, to see Wout Van Aert and Vanderpool in 8th and ninth, respectively. And a lot of trash talk after the race, little guy. A lot of trash talk. A lot of trash talk. We are getting... The, is is cycling getting Americanized? Is that what's happening here? Because this is glorious. Uh <laughs> Is it? I feel <laughs> I don't know. I feel kind of responsible or something. Oh. Um, I mean, I'm sure this has always been the case. Obviously, we're talking about Wout pointing the finger at Vanderpool for mm-hmm. only marking him. Vanderpool sort of shrugging his shoulders and saying, "Hey, what are you going to do, man? You're fast. Oh, the, people got to look at you." The quotes are so good. Let me let me just read these quotes. Wout Van Aert says, "There was only one who didn't want to win, and he was only looking at me." Yes, Matthew Vanderpool. Apparently, he would rather that I lost than that he won himself. He may forgot. He may have forgotten that I've already won a lot, and in the end, <laughs> we both have nothing. That ah, nice dig. That is a good dig. And uh, Vanderpool then a couple hours later coming back with, it's a strange reaction of Wout. Uh, he's one of the best riders in the front group. When he attacks, I have to react, of course. But that's just racing. It's a bit low to say that I ride to let him lose. I always ride to win. You know it. So, well, I don't know. I think I, I little. I'll take a little bit of each of them with the truth. Wout is point pointing out the fact that Vanderpool has been riding a little conservatively this year sometimes. Like he rode mm-hmm. conservatively on previous Wednesday at the race I can never pronounce the de breast and burst push, whatever. Nailed but it. Philippe won. Yeah. Nailed it, right. It's a good little midweek race. He rode conservatively there and started a sprint too late, didn't drop Philippe early. All these times where you're like, just, just do it. And it felt like he was just like, I'll just do it at the end. And he didn't, and he got beat. He's sort of alternating currently between being kind of conservative and waiting for sprints and going on 50K terrors. <laughs> so it's it's either or for him right now. Right. Is the problem that Vanderpoel is riding bike races like an experienced road racer now? And we just like if this was any other person, would out be trash talking him, you know? Any other regular road yeah, not racer, that much. you know, GVA, somebody else, obviously they're going to mark Wout. Like, I think they're. I think the feud is is brewing, and uh, I I am here for it. I got to say, it is. This mm-hmm. is what 
you know, Tim's trying to force this Ala Philippe bad guy narrative, and it works. Don't get me wrong, it does work. But I think this is the drama that we need. We need a little, we need the two brightest stars in the cycling universe kind of feuding at each other. Not like chopping each other's wheels necessarily, but trash talking a little bit at the mm-hmm. end because we're set up for another good solid decade of this. It's going to be fantastic. Yeah, it does seem like the writers are a little too nice to each other generally. <laughs> <laughs> no, too friendly to all each other. Uh, oh, I I think it's a little bit of frustration coming out from Wout of how many years of, yeah, he ticks off a win here or there from Vanderpool, but let's let's admit 95% of the time Vanderpool drops him, uh-huh. you know, at cross races. So he's had the better road year so far, but... Um, his shadow, the the person who's always been there when he thinks he's put in that race winning move, has been Vanderpool. So, the, if there's um, one person you don't want to see sh- tracking you down, it's him. Oh yeah, and I mean they were the class of the field. They obviously didn't uh, get the W uh, today, but if you track down the footage of that race or even a clip of the Kemmelberg, man, those guys absolutely destroyed that climb. They were. Uh, just about to catch the breakaway and just tore up that climb, dropped everyone they were with and rode through the breakaway. It was incredible. It was a massive display and they were both heads and shoulders above everyone else. So, you know, it's, uh, it's going to be a fun rivalry. Well, we're, I think we're in for a heck of a Flanders next weekend. I mean, maybe they'll, they'll just, they'll put it aside. They'll break away together and they'll. They'll share the load to the finish and sprint it out. Mm-hmm. That would be that would be the best the best thing that could come out of this, I guess. But and I mean, I respect the Wout trash talk. It was good um, saying that Vanderpool hadn't won anything yet, but not for uh, not for about a couple of millimeters. Not for you know Ala Philippe pulling what is now becoming a classic Ala Philippe early post up move, almost losing another race in back to back weekends. Doing shame, I think. Maybe it would have been good for uh, Mads Peterson to have the World Championship jersey this weekend <laughs> and then give it back to Philippe when kind of his nerves have settled because I don't know what's going on over there, but uh, he's making a mess of things. Yeah, he definitely posted up too early again at that Debrabentsip. Uh, mm-hmm. Yep, I nailed it again. A race that happened midweek. He got lucky this time, and he—you could see it on his face too. If you can find the highlights, oh yeah, he knows it. You, he knows that he came really close to doing it again, and boy, would that have looked dumb. Egg on your face. Uh-huh. Um, but he—he he just slipped by. Vanderpool just started the sprint too late, um, and Benoit uh, Kosnefroy was in third in that race, just barely hanging with those two. Uh. He was just there for so. Here's the question. Will he do it again? Can he pull off the hat trick? There's only a little bit of road season left at this point. It's been fast and furious since uh, road season has started back again. But uh, can Philippe post up early, winning or losing because of it a, th- a third time? Does he have it in him? Had Flanders, no less. Um, I don't think so. Though... It- a Flanders finish with Alaphilippe, Vanderpool, and Wout. Now oh. that would tick all the boxes, now wouldn't it? Oh. And a, and an early post up 
maybe an early post up by Ella Philippe and then Vanderpool and Wout come around just <laughs> and then it has to go to a photo. Can they both pip him and he's down in third? <laughs> that would be incredible. Oh, little guy, if dreams come true, that would be a dream scenario. Um, Speaking of dreams, little guy, uh, there's something here on our agenda about a a dream, and I don't know anything about this (laughs) or what's going on here. So I'm going to toss the narrative over to you here for this and uh, fill me in. What's going on? Okay. So as you know, we've had a lot of bike racing this week. We've already talked about some. We're going to talk about more. So I've been watching a lot of bike races all the time lately. Uh-huh. So my son, Tom Boot and Tom Boot and the other night had a bunch of wild dreams. It's a crazy night. He had a few <laughs> dreams. He kept waking up and talking about them and okay. we were up all over the night. One of the dreams, he said something about a tiger was trying to get him and he called for me to help him. Okay. But I couldn't help him because I was a bike race head in a frame and I was just – I. I was me, but I was also a guy in a bike race watching a bike race. It was one of those sort of dream things where, as he explained it, I was both the bike race and the bike racey sort of thing. Uh-huh. This felt like a real um, – he was really sticking it to me on the fact that I have probably been not paying enough attention to him sometimes in the mornings as uh-huh. I'm, like, making him breakfast. But I'm also flipping between three different races uh-huh. on the computer tapping it out going, uh-huh, uh-huh. Well, we got to watch this Jiro stage and then we can go do something that you want to do. <laughs> yeah, this, so, this Jiro <laughs> sprint stage is very important. I got to see if Damar is <laughs> going to destroy everyone again or not. The answer is he will. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, so that was the dream. Tamun Tamunahan. That's good. Yep. That's good stuff. So you have you have become one with the bike racing. Yes, I have one. I am both the bike race and in the bike race and the screen. I don't know. In his mind, in his dreams, I'm of no help for, for a tiger. I couldn't help him with a tiger. That's terrible, right? So I'm trying to think, and I am. Uh, I know we had Chipolinium being the lion. Do we have a tiger in cycling as a nickname? Was this um, what he is getting at? Is there some subliminal messaging here? I don't know if there's a tiger. I can't think of anyone with a good... A good tiger nickname. Okay. It's certain that Stefano Garzelli had a tiger airbrushed on his helmet at some point, but that wasn't necessarily his nickname Mm -hmm. because he just changed up that logo every couple of weeks. Yeah, sometimes it was also Um, an eagle. So, No, I don't know. I can't think of a good rider with a tiger. If anyone can think of a good tiger rider. I mean, the Bulls-Dolmans team are the most tigery kits I can think of. You know, it's the it's the orange and black, I mean, and they've got kind of the like the like lines on the shoulder. Uh-huh. So it's the most tiger esque. I see that. I could see that. You know, it could be an abstraction. We'll have to work on who who the tiger of the peloton is. Who little Tom Boone and Tom Boonin is worried about because obviously he's got a big career ahead of him as a sprinter in the in the spring classics and the world tour. So he's probably you know it's. It's that time of year again. Just happened. Flanders around the corner. He's getting anxious. Um, he's worried about the tiger. He needs you there for him. He needs you in the corner, coaching him uh, <laughs> in the ear on the radio, telling him what to do as the DS. Yeah, maybe. So we need to identify the tiger and uh, snuff him out. I guess. <laughs> well, it's got violent quick. Uh, well, I don't know about the tiger. 
I do know about some other animals in the Peloton. I know about Nibali. I know about the shark, still sitting well in GC okay. at the Giro. I know about Posavio, who some people have called the flea, and he does not like that. So I'm not going to do that. I wouldn't do that. But some people say that was his uh-huh. nickname. Re- reeling back the years, also sitting high in GC. Uh, we could call Kelderman the tiger because I don't have a nickname for him, and he's doing well in GC, and I'm excited about it. Um, there's – yeah, I I don't even know what's happening in the Giro at this point. Like, Shall I sum- summarize? I thought I – thought, after our review of the Giro a few episodes ago, or our preview, I guess I should say, um, you know, we were kind of like, oh, there's a bunch of also rands, and then there's Yates. And Yates is pretty much the class of the field here. Yeah. He is going to walk away with this thing. And, Yates and G. You know, that I just sort of stopped paying attention to the GC after that, and all of a sudden, it's no longer the case. Mm-hmm. It's true. Yates testing positive for COVID, which... Likely, it feels means so. That, what was that on like stage seven or something? He tested positive for COVID, but he blew and lost tons of time on stage three, the first big mountain finish. So, I don't know. What are the chances now that we find out that he infected the whole team? I'm pretty surprised that they're still there, considering they didn't have an explanation for how he went from total GC contender to losing four or five minutes. And I think one pretty mm-hmm. easy one is he has COVID. Yeah, it could be. Um, you know, but, uh, I mean, you hate to see it happen to anybody. You hope it doesn't happen to anybody else in the Peloton. We've been fairly lucky in the sport so far that we haven't had too much. Um, but, uh, I mean, on the bright side, a positive test in cycling that, uh, isn't doping. That's great. Right. <laughs> yes. Uh, it's something, it's not great. I would <laughs> say it's great. At least the jury is still happening currently, <laughs> but we are on the rest day as we speak. Chances are good that there'll be a bunch of positive tests over the rest day, and who knows um, what's going to happen. But we still have uh, Almedia from uh, Quick Step in first, Kelderman in second. Whoa, where'd that come from? Bilbao in third, Posavio in fourth, Nibali in fifth, Fulslang in sixth, uh, a guy named Harm Van Hook in seventh, Patrick Conrad in eighth, Jay Hindley in ninth, and Micah. And Chrysler, 10th and 11th. They should be higher up. We do have the possibility of a good race. I really enjoy this, and I'll say it, and I'm sorry, but it's a second-rate GC field, but I love it. I'm, I'm, I, it's like saying that you're into B-movies or something, you know? I fully own it. Like, I want to watch this. I'm yeah. super excited to see Kelderman and, like, Post Vivo, especially since he was injured at the end of last year, and it seemed like he wasn't even going to get a ride. And now here he is, probably the oldest guy in the race, sitting fourth overall. Yeah, we haven't had a lot of GC in this last week. We had, yeah, like you said, Demar won three stages. We had the most popular win, which was uh, Alex Dowsett winning stage eight. I think that was the most popular <laughs> win of the week. I must say, between oh, without a doubt, the five thousand yeah. bike races that came out. Everyone excited about it. Super nice guy. And him afterwards talking about, yeah, not having a contract next year yet. Uh, just being nervous. Just the, the stress of not having a contract, not having money, having a child on the way. I know that uh, as a middle-aged white guy who's not <laughs> as fast as he used to be and has a child and doesn't have uh, the most solid financials right now sometimes, um, it definitely hit home. <laughs> 
it was definitely one I was rooting for. And coming on the heels of that, we had the Cavendish at Ghent, uh, possibly his last race riding off into the sunset. It was kind of this like, it was an unfortunate reminder that we are at that part of the year where riders you like, you might realize don't have a contract for next year. Yeah. They just might not have a contract, even though they're still capable and good riders. We've got teams folding. NTT doesn't have a sponsor. CCC, um, it's we yeah we should be deep deep into silly season right now with transfer rumors and all kinds of stuff happening. But we've also got Tour Flanders next week, and and you know Worlds just happened, and and like everything's upside down. The Giro's still going on. Um, The Volta hasn't started yet. May not start. Who knows? Who, Who can say for sure? Um. So yeah, it slips through the cracks that a lot of riders are out of contract right now and um, without a whole lot of racing to be like, ah, look at my results, I'm still good, you know, like, so huge win for Dowsett there and uh, curious to see what happens yeah. in the Peloton in the next few weeks. With, with the outpouring of like, maybe I'm just too paying attention too much to cycling Twitter, but the outpouring of, of excitement and like kind words for him after he won from riders and just mm-hmm. fans uh, really hit home how important it is to sign riders that are both good and people like, and I think sometimes teams forget this and yeah. they sign, they sign good riders, Johnny Muscat, just Johnny Muscat, you know, they sign Johnny Muscat. and you're like yeah. a guy like that doesn't win as much, but, when he does win, not only is it just a great win for your team and your sponsors and all that stuff, but like just the amount of people that are excited for it and excited for it in a way that you're not when, you know, I don't know. And not that there aren't lots of good, rider, nice, friendly, wonderful riders who we like aren't, don't have a connection with. It's easier, obviously. We speak English, they speak English, and we, we, we harp on others sure. for that, but it's easier in some ways, but this is my example currently, but that like, how is he not, I like, how didn't, uh, Israeli cycling Academy, like use that goodwill to slide a contract over the next day Mm -hmm. and put that on the internet. Like that was like a free goodwill team package handed to them. Mm -hmm. And I know that there's other financials that have to come into those things. Come on, man, make, figure that one out. Like that was like mm-hmm. the best press you could have all year. And they were like, uh, I don't know. We got to think about it still. And you're like, come on, man. That's true. Another uh, extremely likable, very friendly guy in the Peloton uh, without contract right now is our good friend and former wide angle podium uh, host, Mitch Docker uh, an education first. Uh, I got to say, I am doing my part. To support Mitch, just picked up my uh, life in the Peloton cycling cap. Oh, you did? You uh, got one? That up? Uh, yeah, so we'll see uh, nice. when that shows up. I'll be sure to show up here on the stream uh, with the proper amount of luft. So that's, looking forward to that. That was pretty sweet. Yeah, if you haven't seen the caps, go check them out. I'm sure they're, they're very good. I'm sure the I, second round is all sold out by this point. But he's also got some other cool merch. It's all... It's all sick, and I could lounge his, around in that stuff all day. Yeah. Oh yeah, all his merch looks really good. I don't know who did the designing of uh, of his stuff, but it looks fantastic. I, I I did get another piece as well, um, but it was tough to not just click on one of everything. Um, so yeah, with all the talk of the Rafa um, 
the Rafa Palace collaboration, uh, mm-hmm. people should know it seems like Mitch has been secretly guiding uh, EF team looks for a few years here, just from his own his own personal style stance. It's it's seeping over mm-hmm. into the rest mm-hmm. of the peloton. Road captain, style captain. He's you know he's at the forefront. Uh, everything he's touching, you know, podcast, uh, road captain, I guess. Um, you know, so shout out to him. Hopefully, uh, EF gets it together and slides him a nice, uh, fat one year contract or whatever. Uh, keep him on the road. Otherwise, uh, any other team out there would be, uh, you know, instantly better picking up Mitch. So agreed. Best of luck to him. Well, that's a lot of racing. I think we should probably check in with our Australian correspondent, who we know has a contract for next year. He's going back to Mitchell and Scott, back to the least stylish kit in the Peloton. I think we've all agreed. Of course, we're talking about Michael Matthews. Let's go see what he's up to. What up? This is Don Squinch. And you're listening to this low ride podcast. All right. This week, we again are riding for Willa's Kitchen and their delicious, delicious oat milk. I know we've been telling you about their barista one blend they've got, but they've also got a new Willa's Unsweetened Original that's coming out in November. You can go over there right now. They got a pre-order on the website. You can still use the code SLOWRIDE20. This one's pretty great. Lowest sugar of any oat milk out there. Only one gram of sugar from the oats for the whole thing. So it's just from the oats. And it's super delicious. I got a sample of it ahead of time. Super secret ahead of time sample. I must say my three-year-old Tambunin Tambunin, when he's not having dreams about how I let him down as a parent, he did when having the choice, go for the unsweetened every single time in the fridge. So if you've had oat milks that you go get the unsweetened one and you're like, oh no, that's not good. No way with this one. It was super delicious, super creamy, like by far the best unsweetened and totally a three-year-old who only wants to eat sugar chose the unsweetened one every time. (laughs) So... That's pretty it's, good. It's super delicious. That's the, all it's got is oats, organic vanilla, uh, organic oats, organic vanilla, and then salt and filtered water. And it's the way they make it. It's super good. So check it out. WillisKitchen.com. Use that code SLOWRIDE20 and uh, get yourself some of the kind you hopefully have already been getting if you like it. But also uh, check out the Unsweetened Original, which should be dropping in November. We've Yeah, we've been getting some tweets and some Instagram messages, uh, folks shooting us pictures of their willas that they've gotten. And, you know, it. even though I've got it in the fridge, it still makes me jealous because it's that good. It's really good so stuff. So do yourself a favor, check it out, willaskitchen.com, and uh, use that code to save yourself a couple of bucks. We also want to uh, shout out Grimper Brothers, uh, Grimper Brothers Coffee, oat milk goes really good in coffee. Mm-hmm. Just, just totally non sequitur there, but Synergy. they do go together pretty well. Uh, you can head over to Grimper Brothers and check out the blends that they've got that specifically support Wide Angle Podium and the shows on the network here. Uh, head over to wideanglepodium.com slash coffee. And I'll take you right to the page that's got Hello Cyclecross Friends, 
the espresso blend and viewer mail, uh, a light roast, uh, both delicious, delicious coffees from Grimper that support what we are doing here on the network. Another slam dunk, super easy way to support the network is to check out and become a subscriber on our YouTube page. We are churning out the content over there. Little guy specifically putting in a ton of work, doing a lot of race previews. Mm -hmm. Uh, There is a ton of good stuff over there. We are getting close to our magic number, our goal of 1000 subscribers. We're at like pretty close to 800. I think last time I looked something. Yeah. We're in eight something last I looked too. Okay. That's, that's even, we're even closer. We just need you to help push us over the edge because that is when the thing, the wheels behind YouTube start turning and, uh, you know, the videos will start getting out there. The log, uh, algorithm starts working. Um, so we need, we need your help. That is free. That's an easy thing you can do. Head over to youtube.com slash wide angle podium and, uh, just hit that subscribe button and, uh, do us a, do us a big solid. Yeah. And uh, hopefully we can get to a thousand and uh, our lives will change and we can cash in and become millionaires. It's going to be great. Totally. And so when this drops, hopefully by then, unless I fell down tomorrow and forgot to do everything, I should I should have a, a week two of the Giro preview up there. I'll definitely try to get a Flanders preview video up there. I will try to make them as nice. silly and uninformative as possible. So please go over there, check those out, subscribe. Or just, you know, watch the stuff Bill's doing because it looks super pro. And then you watch mine and you're like, this guy didn't even try. Check it out. I mean, you, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to spin this positively, little guy, but you didn't give me a lot of a lot hey. of room here. But, you know, your videos are great. They're entertaining. Maybe not completely accurate all the time, <laughs> uh, as it turns out. But um, they are highly entertaining, very creative, surprise. I will say there's nothing else like it in cycling media. I will give you That's that. That's what I'm going for. Um, but again, you know, recently upgraded. I think your video quality is superb. I think your lighting looks great. And I think your sound quality is 10 times better than uh, the first couple of videos. I agree. And that's because we are <laughs> investing in quality microphones and other, uh, uh, you know, video centric things for you. And all that stuff costs money. So all we need from from our our, our, our our listeners is to head over there and uh, hit that subscribe button so we can pay the bills for all that stuff we had to buy so little guy can make goofy videos about bike racing. <laughs> um, so that is my plea this week. Tim's not here to cut me off, so I'm just going to go on and on about it. And uh, that I think that'll wrap it up for my uh, my plea section of the uh, of the preem lap. All right, sounds good. Let's get back to the show. So remember that and uh, yeah, enjoy your Star Ride podcast. All right, we are back at it. We've got a couple emails we got to go through tonight. Even Sans Tim, okay. I know Tim is the pro pro reader um let's we got two i think we can do i got a short one first here kenneth strevels two the second i hope i got that right he says the sleeves of the ef jersey the sleeves are images of skateboarders juan saavedra and rory milan 
I don't know the significance as to why they are chosen to be in the sleeves. I do think they skate for Team Palace. There we go. The answer. Well, that makes sense. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. That is something we've so, all been wondering about. Who were the sleeves on the Palace jerseys? So they, they, they sponsored a cycling team to raise awareness for some other guys who are not cyclists. That's, that's some meta stuff. I like it. Yeah. I don't understand it, but I do like it, and I appreciate it. Well, but also then in true getting into the spirit of cycling, they didn't put those guys' mm. names on the jerseys so that we had no. to get an email from someone who both like cycling and skating to bridge that gap. Because that's one of the things when you show cycling to people who don't know cycling initially. Like whenever I watch cycling with my dad or somebody, they're like, who is everybody? And I'm like, well, that's probably fool slang. I can't tell from here if they zoom in, but he's got a he's got a one on his back, and he's probably the team leader. And then they go in, and I'm like, that's fool slang. And they're like, how do you know? And I'm like, well, just look at his shoulders. It's the way he carries himself. <laughs> you only need you yeah, only yeah. need four years of weird knowledge to watch a race and and know who's who. And and then the graphics right. pop up, and they're wrong half the time, and you're yelling at Uncle Phil. And cycling could fix this by putting names on jerseys, yet here we are. Here we are. Um, yeah, that is a, a problem I don't think is going to be solved anytime soon. It's really weird. I, I don't want them to. I like knowing all this stuff because of weird reasons. I might not know how everyone sits on a bicycle. Well, it's it's wild to me because, you know, like you said, you're like, you gotta you got to know their how their shoulders drop when they're, when they're going hard or whatever, like you got to pick up on this nuance and the reason for not printing a a name or something on a Jersey is usually, well, we need that real estate for the sponsors, you know, the sponsors, Mm -hmm. sponsors, sponsors, very important sponsors. And then you just pin a number right over everything anyway. And those numbers take up the whole back of the Jersey. So you may as well just give, you know, whatever team numbers 21 through 29 or whatever for every race they enter. And then, you know, movie star gets 30 to 40 or whatever. And they just get season long numbers and you're good to go. Names printed on there, numbers printed on there. Don't have to worry about it anymore. Sponsors get the fronts of the jerseys, which is all they need anyway. Season long numbers would be sweet because somebody would have to do 1000. Oh, little guy. Do you remember, I have a photo of it, which is the only reason I remember this, but one time at some race, I don't remember which mm-hmm. one, you got number 1,000, <laughs> yeah, which I didn't I didn't think existed. Yeah, it's really funny. Because <laughs> it was like, well, what race like, am I a... in? <laughs> like... <laughs> right, because like, the Cat 1-2 field's always like 100 to 200, <laughs> and the Cat 3 field's 304. Yeah, there's max 20 people in our race. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't remember I mean, what race whatever that reason, was. Yeah. I did uh, I didn't even know they could fit four numbers on <laughs> it. Right looked there, really t- number. It looked very fake. It looked like I'd faked one of the numbers. <laughs> this is the proportions. Um <laughs> that was pretty cool. My favorite race number I ever got was when I got nine four four and then I wrote turbo on it. <laughs> uh, I remember I was that. like yeah, yeah, I yeah. was really hoping that um that would give me some sort of special <laughs> you know, obviously it would give me the turbo for the day, but that that I would win, and then being a superstitious, cowardly cyclist, I'd have to write turbo on all my on all my uh, um, numbers from then out. Or I'd have to show up to the race and be like, can I get – and I'd give them a series of options for numbers. 
of cars from the uh-huh. 80s, I'd be like, I either need 505, I need 405, I need 911, I need 928. You know, it'd be like, oh, they never made a 928 uh-huh. Turbo. Oh, it's so, so embarrassing. But you know what I mean? Like, I just have to Which, go with all these, like, weird... Like oh I'm never gonna win today, dude. I got, to... I got I got I got the num- I got nine twenty three. <laughs> oh, if I just got nine twenty four, I could have slapped a turbo on it and I would have won. <laughs> so, did you when you drove the Mercedes two forty D, the slowest car on yes. earth? Did you ever get the number two forty? And no. would that have been a happy incident <laughs> or a sad incident? <laughs> I would have been happy. It would have been funny, and I definitely would have written a D on it. <laughs> Um, so, I mean, I currently have a, uh, E300, but I don't do any bike races, but if I get 300, I'm definitely going to put an E on it and then write diesel and then write diesel at the bottom. Yeah. Well, that's, that's a fun game for you. Unfortunately, if I do a bike race, I don't think I'm going to get the number sport wagon. Um, so I'm I'm a little bit out of luck. Yeah. I'm not going to get the number Vanagon GL either. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's, yeah, you know, uh, that's why numbered cars were better because they could correlate to race numbers and make you feel like a really special person. All right. Well, that was a great tangent. I love it. Let's move on to the next email. Let's see where we can end up on this one. Uh, yeah, let's get away from the uh, car talk. Like, no car Yeah, there's talk no cars in this one. Uh, in Wait, this no, I'm scanning if there is. Okay. <laughs> this one came in right before we started on the show. It says, rate my eBay posts from Davis Ye- Davis Yarbrough. Dearest Slow Ride Podcast, please take a look at this eBay post and let me know what I can do to make this ridiculously niche tires more attractive to the general public. Okay. All right, let's go so let's, let's go over to the post now. Let's click through. It says This is an eBay link. No, this is amazing. Got it. It says NOS Continental Sprinter Tubulars. And I'll read the description because this whole its whole thing is good. It's long, but it's beautiful. Pair of Continental Sprinter tubular tires, 26 by 22 millimeters. Oh, no. That's a weird size. In uh, a weird black size. chili compound. Uh, condition is new old stock. These have never been glued, and anywhere in them is from sitting in a box in a bike shop. Go figure, right? They do look a little worn around the edges just from being in the packaging for so long and changing hands between many bike shops, which is even better. Many bike shops. Look, I'm not here to— Many bike shops that have gone out of business yeah. and why? transferred their stock to another shop that— Who could imagine why shop... these haven't been sold and yeah. been— any shop that would accept the 26-inch oh tubular is definitely bound to go out of business. <laughs> he says, uh, look, I'm not here to judge you based on whatever strange bike you might need to put these on. But I'm guessing if you've made it to this corner of eBay, you need these things pretty badly. I don't know if Conti even makes these size anymore. And if they do, it probably isn't available in the North American market. If you need them, today's your lucky day. Grab these unicorns before they ride off into the sunset, only leaving behind fairy tales as evidence of their existence. Uh, Dave, I have no. I, it's poetic. It's beautiful. It's poetry. It's what it is. Mm-hmm. No, it's very good. It it ticks all the boxes. Um, you know, it's it's fun. It's not too long. Uh, you know, the only. I mean, our standard advice. It doesn't say rare anywhere. It it alludes to the fact that they mm-hmm. are rare. Uh, by you know calling them unicorns and things like that. I feel like but, they're so rare uh, that anyone that looks at them knows they're extremely rare, though. Oh yeah, well then that's the thing is like like they mentioned in the ad, if if you found these, if you stumbled across these, you were either doing something so so wrong, 
in your search bar uh, that, you know, you, you don't even know what you're looking at or you know exactly what you're looking at. And for the low, low price of 80 bucks, you're hitting buy it now and not thinking about it. Yeah. If your name is Chris Ferris and you are ever going to race mm-hmm. on a velodrome again, you need these, Chris, because you are the only person I know who rides dual 26-inch wheels on the track. They are scary. They're weird and small and slightly terrifying. Local legend. Uh, there's more to this email, though. It gets it's, – it's good here. Oh. He says – Oh, let me click back. Uh, also, this is a bit of a throwback, but Tim is definitely the Jeremy Clarkson of this trio. <laughs> fight it all you – Oh, clearly. <laughs> he says, fight it all you want, but Tim usually opens the shows, is the loudest by far, and presents himself as the least mechanically inclined. Those click all the Clarkson uh-huh. boxes. The parallels to Clarkson yeah. are undeniable. Speaking of which, in the cycling-centric parallel universe of Top Gear, you know that a soft ride tandem would make an appearance at the season finale Top Gear Challenge at Dirty Kanza, or whatever they call it in the future. My offer to deliver the silver bullet via 91 Vanagon still stands. Sincerely, Davis. Uh, Davis, thank you. I still want, I still want Spencer and Tim to ride the the soft ride tandem. I don't know if that will ever happen. So many things. Well, there was some concern. There's a lot of concern. There was (laughs) the main concern was about the uh, uh, structural integrity. uh, Yeah. With Tim on a soft ride, there was some concern. I think also about who, if anyone was going to show up ready (laughs) for the daunting task of dragging it's of a soft ride around. But you you know, know, you you're talking a lot of smack, (laughs) but our. our, uh, our 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 Everesting challenge right about the same time, somebody you showed up, man. Came in dead last. I did. I. It's debatable who won, <laughs> but somebody definitely came in dead. last. I definitely came in last. I will totally admit going into Everesting challenge, I doubted you were going to show up the way you did. You definitely, <laughs> you definitely showed. You definitely proved me wrong. Oh. Hundred percent, man. I don't. I don't know how Tim hacked into uh, his Garmin to produce the numbers that he did but uh kudos to him unhackable (laughs) unhackable and crazy uh those are great 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 uh i think those tires should sell no problem come on they should sell no problem this email's full of facts is what it comes down to um great tires that somebody with a weird bike is going to buy and tim is certainly the jeremy clarkson of this show 100 percent uh, one thing I wanted to tell you, Spencer, before we sign off, we're getting toward the end of the show here, is I know um, mm-hmm. a couple of weeks, I don't know, a couple months back, I talked about how right hand, turning right was harder for me and should be harder for everybody than turning left. And you guys kind of thought I, I think it's, yeah. thought I was a little crazy. And I didn't fully realize yeah. this at the time. So this week I went to Worth and I did hit a tree with the right side of my body turning right. Theodore Worth uh, mountain bike trails there in yep, Minneapolis. Yep, I was ripping. Okay. I, was, I was flying. I had the client out. Uh-huh. Uh, it was great. It was fabulous. Oh. And um, then I ran into a tree, kind of a tree that's leaning into the trail, and you have to take a right-hander around it. And I just, bam, hit it right with my right side. And I got a nice okay. bruise, and I got a nice cut, and I'm fine. But what I noticed, and I don't think I talked about before, is I also have a lot of scars on my right side. And I noticed this as I was bandaging uh-huh. myself and noticing that now I have a new scar forming right in front of another scar with a huge bruise around it. I looked at my left side. I have – my left side, it's like a baby over there. It's like brand new. 
There's okay. There's no. I have no scars on the left side of my body. The right side of my body is like covered in scars. So I'm not joking. I can't turn right. When it comes to turning right, I I, I have the wounds. I have the physical proof to show that I obviously do not know how to do it as well as I know how to turn left. Uh huh. You know, you're. As you're telling that story, I cast my mind back. I was instantly transported back to probably one of the last times I rode at Theodore Worth because it's been a while since I've been there uh, in Minneapolis. But one of those last times would have been with you. And I seem to remember following you through the trails, through the single track, and you taking a sweeping sort of downhill right-hander and washing out and going down like hip-first on a rock. Mm. And uh, having to, I don't remember if you had to like leave at that moment or like if you rode home or what, but That's possible. it was, uh, it was the last bad crash I've seen you have. And it was certainly <laughs> on that right side. It's probably one of those scars. It could be. I do remember one time crashing there with you and big Matt and having to ride home mm-hmm. one legged, you guys giving me some, pushes. that was probably the time. And then, yeah, that was. Yes, that was it. We pushed you yeah. home. Yeah. I think that was my was right terrible. leg. Yeah, and it was right on my like hip there, and I couldn't really ride my bike for like a week or two. Yeah, it was it was, it was a bad a like deep, deep bruise. Yeah, bruise it was one yeah. of those crashes. Yeah, I did just land on a rock. Um, it was one of those crashes, and I'm sure everyone's had them, where it was bad, but it wasn't the end of the world. Like three days later, four days later, I could I could ride, but I definitely couldn't ride or walk for like a couple of days. I just sat at home. But when you fall, it hurts so bad. You think. I broke my leg. Like, my leg is shattered. Yeah. I'm going to have to have 17 <laughs> reconstructive surgeries. And this is in the first two seconds. All I can think is there's no there's no yeah. way. This has to be what a broken leg feels like. And there's a bruise, and uh-huh. it's bad. You know, like a week later, I probably did a cross race or something. Yeah. It it boggles my mind what breaking your leg must feel like. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I hope, I hope to not find out. You know, you could have uh, easily... Uh, pulled a Garrett Thomas and fractured a pelvis oh, again, you know? Like, no luck for that guy. No luck for G. Uh, the, wor- the world according to G or whatever is the the part two of that is going to be just worse than Empire Strikes Back. Like just going to be the downswing and hopefully he gets back on the upswing for the Return of the Jedi. But um, yeah. Know? Feel, feel for the guy. Yeah, I do too. Obviously, we kind of joke about G, but he definitely was one of the favorites of the Giro, and it's especially crappy year to have that happen because there's no, there's no just bringing it back for the Volta like there usually would be if you mm-hmm. crashed out of the Giro. Uh, tough, tough for G. Did we mention? I don't remember. We're we're about to the end of the show. But did we mention Cavendish? Maybe done. Cavendish finishing Ghent today. Kind of in tears because it might have been his last I, race. Did we mention that? I now I'm like forgetting. We may have briefly touched on it. I don't know. Um, Cav, yeah, uh, maybe raced his last race today. Uh, would be the end of an era for sure. A lot of sentiment out there in the social media. A lot of um, you know people feeling bad for the guys. You know whatever, which is in stark contrast to the early part of his career. Um, he is. Uh, he is a rider that has made a complete 180 uh, from being the villain to being the lovable guy in the peloton, and uh, kudos to him for that and for a great career. Yeah, totally. I get, I give him crap because I don't really like sprinting, but he does seem to be a total a class act, and people seem to really like him. So 
I hope mm-hmm. it works out if whether that's if he wants to keep riding or not. And I think this predicts that at the end of Philippe's career, Tim will be in tears, crying. Oh, for sure. For sure. <laughs> As Alaphilippe <laughs> has done a complete 180 in his mind and become his number mm-hmm. one rider. For sure. And on that bombshell. Yes. On that bomb- I think we need to close the show. <laughs> I think you're right. I think we have to thank BK1 of Rhymesayers for giving us this great intro and outro music as usual. Willa's Kitchen, Grimper Brothers Coffee, all the other amazing shows on the Wide Angle Podium Network. Please, uh, if you want to, or if you can, go check out the YouTube page, click click subscribe. If you really love this show and all the other shows, please head over. You can become a member and uh, support us or support us through our sponsors. And uh, with that, I have been mad in Minneapolis. And this is Spencer in Boston reminding you to always wave at all your fellow cyclists that you see out on the road. The Slow Ride Podcast. Bikes, advice, and rumors straight from the source. TheSlowRidePodcast.com and on Twitter at TheSlowRidePod. What an episode. That was amazing. When that one person said that thing and then the other person totally like set them straight. Oh man, that was great. I'm going to have to go back and listen to that again. But hey, since I have your attention now, hello, cyclocross friends, new friends and old friends and soon to be friends. My name's Bill. I host another show on the Wide Angle Podium Podcast Network. It's called Cyclocross Radio. And we talk to the biggest stars in cyclocross and even the medium stars in cyclocross and some of the soon-to-be stars in cyclocross. We also have a panel discussion we call the Media Pit with my buddy Zach and Michael where we go over all of the new rules that might be coming out and the calendar situations and races that happen. It's a great time. It's a great conversation. We built an amazing community that we want you to be part of. So go to WideAnglePodium.com. Become a member there, then go to your favorite podcast app and subscribe to Cyclocross Radio. Do it. Do it now, Cyclocross friends.